edition of the Love You Later by podcast, The Psych Monologues. I am Dr. Ray Mitz, your host, uh, and uh, we are uh, coming up to uh, a milestone of um, almost 30 podcasts completed. So um, I, th- this, uh, is, uh, this edition tonight is, is a completing one from last week. Last week, we uh, decided to embark on a conversation about silence and solitude with a friend of mine by the name of Brian Harden. Uh, and if you're just joining us, that was last week. So be sure to get online and get to uh, either my po- uh, my podcast, my uh, website at drmitch.com and, and listen to the last edition or the last episode of uh, the podcast where we were spending some time talking about silence and solitude. Um, the Love You Later by podcast was created really to start some kind of conversation and dialogue about the, the backdrop of losses and things like that in our lives that, that uh, we uh, wrestle with. And oftentimes we wrestle with even just being honest that it's there, let alone suffering the consequences of it and the one thing that i've been noticing of late going into uh, uh, another school year at least for me uh, and just the the kind of the rhythm of the year right i mean we're we're sitting at the almost at the end of august um, and going into september the final quarter of the year and and there's this kind of rhythm that we get into we start thinking about fall and we think about um, you know just a variety of things and that's that really is kind of what's going on now. I think of a lot of the the uh, seniors at CCU that I started to do this podcast, uh, just not really for, but just to try to continue some string of connection uh, with those uh, individuals. And and uh, we're sitting at a time when last year at this time, they were getting ready to go off to their final year of school. And little did they know that they were going to get hit by a train that had uh, COVID-19 on the front. Uh, and so they were thrust into this thing uh, partway into the, the, the spring semester. And here we are after getting through that and surviving all of the, the um costs and consequences of living in an online world, online connection and so forth, and then going into some some measure of weirdness when it comes to the summer right? because it didn't have we didn't start up with the right rhythms. And since we didn't, then everything else was out of whack, just like a, a piece of music. I heard somebody once say that um, if, particularly in a band, and in this case, the person who was talking was actually a drummer. And he said, if the drummer's off, everybody is off and it can't really be hidden. All the other players in a band oftentimes can get away with being a little bit off and getting back on and nobody really noticing. But if the drummer's off, everything is off. And, and I think our drum beat really got off um, with the pandemic and, and everybody was feeling it as a result of that. So uh, we, we, I decided to, to take kind of a short hiatus from the topic of losses and the importance of them and talking about them and looking at various aspects of them to uh, silence and solitude. And it is a passion of mine to, and it has been for the last 10 years or so, uh, to introduce college-age students into uh, the ancient 
uh, practices of silence and solitude. And in many cases, uh, they, they, it's kind of a, a, a back to the future kind of thing where uh, it's new, but it's ancient and they've never experienced it and, and never had any taste of it whatsoever other than talking about just being quiet. I mean, in a lot of retreats we go to, right, we, we will hear a speaker and then there'll probably be some time for us to spend time alone and be quiet and, and journal a little bit or interact with the material. But I would, I would push back on that and say that's not silence. That, that, that may be being quiet, but the, the, the uniqueness of silence and solitude in particular is that it has a way of unmasking things about ourselves. And I think that's one of the reasons why we tend to avoid it. And so in my conversation with, with Brian, um, we, we spent some time talking about that and, and then we moved into uh, what were kind of his observations, what were the most impactful aspects of, of his experiences. He's done three different silent retreats with CCU students. Um, and so we, we're gonna pick up the conversation at that point, and it's not real long. There's there's about ten minutes or so of of completion and observations from Brian that I want to share with you for this podcast, um, and then and and then I'll uh, I'll jump back in at the end and and uh, hopefully wrap it up and then set the stage for for future podcasts and things that we're going to be talking about. I'm hoping to rope in a couple students that were part of the same. Uh, retreats with Brian uh, and you, you you will have the opportunity to hear from them and what what their reactions were and what what their uh, comments and impacts that it had on them. So that that's kind of the layout lay of the land here as we move toward the end of August and moving into the beginning of September. So let me let me set the stage here for people that might be just joining us for the first time which, whatever, uh, joining us for the first time. And that is that that, uh, Brian Harden is uh, the founder and the voice of the Daily Audio Bible. He started it, uh, as he likes to say, from the dust of the internet. Um, He became convinced he had held a variety of of, um, positions and, and skill sets from photography to music producing, to all manner of things, and had this uh, cataclysmic event, a financial event in his life that really prompted him to, to rethink, and then he felt like God was saying, why don't you read the Bible for people to listen to? And that is what the beginnings of Daily Audio Bible was. And he had all the skills of being a music producer and being able to manage uh, the, the, the uh, audio kind of part of it. And so he started, and uh, 40 million downloads later and a multi-million uh, member audience that listens to, to Brian. Uh, now Daily Audio Bible has, I think, uh, something like six to eight other channels, some in other languages, some just the Proverbs, some the Psalms, etc. So um, I, I, if you're interested, I certainly would, would encourage you to check it out at dailyaudiobible.com. Uh, it, Brian and his... Uh, giftedness in this area and doing this um, has enabled me to to read through the bible 12 12 years running excuse me 12 years running let me get some water 
so that that uh, <clears throat> I would recommend that to anybody uh, to do that. So so that's Brian, and that's why I pulled him in to have this conversation. And a lot of times in over the years of developing in our relationship, we have had <clears throat> uh, ongoing uh, conversations about spiritual formation, what it looks like. What does uh, uh, the self actually do in the midst of spiritual formation? What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? What does it mean to become Christ-like? All those kinds of questions were are uh, part of the spirited conversations that he and I often would have. And so uh, it seemed fairly natural to invite Brian to come in and and take some time and and have some conversation around this, not to mention the fact that he also had uh, enjoyed uh, uh, joining us with our retreats. The other thing I want to mention in light of what he's going to be talking about in this particular segment is just the structure of our retreats. And the way that I go about doing this um, is that my first introduction to, to a silent retreat, um, really, I was, I was given an assignment to do by a, a friend of mine um, who happened to be Brennan Manning, the author, wrote Ragamuffin Gospel and many other things. He and I had this kind of crossing of paths, and and uh, he said, I got an assignment for you I want you to do. And he sent me off to this uh, Jesuit retreat house in, in Sedalia, Colorado, which is south of Denver, and spent five days there entirely. So, um, that and, and, um, Take some time to be quiet and to see what God has for you there. And and it irrevocably shaped my life, even though I jokingly say that I think the ruts in the parking lot from my heels being drugged through are still there from, from me going into doing this. And I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and and I, you know, the thought occurred to me when I walked into the silent retreat, and I think it was certainly... Uh, a uh, divine thought, if you want to put it that way, that said, what does your heart want to do? And I honestly had never asked myself that question. And the biggest challenge I had was, is what my heart was saying at all, let alone what it wanted to do. And that was, that was a challenge in and of itself. And so I proceeded through this retreat and I began to do them uh, relatively regularly, and then when I got to CCU, I, be, I began to talk about it in the in the context of an addictions class, simply because of how much of heart work there is to do when we're talking about addictions. And I mentioned it to some students, and and five very brave students said, "Take us on one," and I did, and uh, and that was the beginning of the silent retreat. So the structure of our retreats are such that we leave on a Thursday afternoon um, and do the uh, retreat. And then we, uh, we arrive at the uh, retreat house and I get everybody oriented. We have our first group meeting of the evening uh, and we talk through some of the logistics, functional things like what how do you sit at dinner and have or, or a meal and be silent? And and that sounds pretty basic, but you'd be really shocked at how much sound there is around meals and things like that. So we do that, and then we 
uh, also then um, uh, spend the next 22 or so hours in silence. The students have their first introduction to it. Uh, and then we get back together as a group and we process what has happened during that time. And that processing takes a lot of different forms. Um, some, some students, <clears throat> and myself included, and I did this when I went on some retreats, they get there, and, and we usually do this retreat sometime around midterm for us, which is mid-October. And by the time they get there, they're just exhausted in a lot of cases. And so the first day, it's not unusual for them to spend most of the day just sleeping. And it's almost like detoxifying, and <clears throat> their body needs to slow down and catch up with their heart. And so they, they uh, do that. And we get back together and say, what, you know, how has God spoken? What have you seen? Uh, what things are you thinking about? And that's shared in a group setting, which is really pretty unusual. And sometimes we have people that don't have anything to say. Other times we do. And uh, <clears throat> so that first night is kind of a awkward thing where people are wondering if there's a, the, a right thing to say or do or something like that and then we then we adjourn uh, and that's the end of the evening and uh, we go through another basically 22 hours uh, including sleep and meals and so forth and and they begin to explore the the property of the retreat house and and begin to walk and journal and read and think and spend some time uh, learning what it is to listen to God rather than talk to God and even even kind of as strange as it sounds, talking with themselves and, and meeting themselves. And so the second night, in a lot of cases, some remarkable things start to happen because they've slowed down and detoxified from all the sound that suddenly they start to hear God speaking in a variety of things. And, and Brian said this in, in the podcast last week was that nature and being out in nature, that it's not quiet. It, it, it kind of roars is the word he used. And God does too. Once we silence and, and, and quiet our hearts just to listen to see what he has to say. In a lot of cases, people are starting to connect the dots. And, and yet the one thing that I think is unusual about our retreats is this group com component to it. And it is stunning how quickly the walls fall down and how quickly people begin to lean into God and also share with other people. And silence doesn't isolate us from people. It actually prepares us to connect with people because we begin to cultivate a fullness in us that then can overflow into our relationships with other people. And so that second night is a pretty big night. Lots of things happen. Um, and then the, the final uh, day, uh, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night is the last night of, of the retreat. And we start uh, uh, putting the pieces even more firmly together and uh, more is shared. And it almost seems as if silence has a way of freeing people to now finally listen to their hearts and then give their hearts a voice 
and others will lean in and listen as well and do the same thing. And quite honestly, to me, that is that is what the church is really all about, is what it's supposed to be about, is to listen to my heart and be able to share it with other people that figure out a way to listen with theirs. And that may sound very esoteric and kind of theoretical, but it, it's really part of the warp and woof of our retreats. And so Saturday night is, is a usually a pretty profound night. And then Sunday morning we get together, uh, celebrate communion together, have our last thoughts of it and share encouragements and challenges with each other specifically. And then we adjourn and, and head back. So uh, the format of our retreats don't really follow a typical um, silent retreat format. In most cases, that that is uh, you being alone, talking to a spiritual director, and then continuing to be in silence. And, and that's really about it. You're not sharing it with anybody else. But I realized that when I added this group component, that it added a level of risk that was needed in order to own what our heart has to say to us and what we're hearing. And it gives people, other Christians, an opportunity, other people, to lean in and offer us the acceptance and grace that we may have a very difficult time offering ourselves. So that's the the backdrop. That's kind of the the context, and that's some of what Brian will be uh, referring to as we uh, start up this next segment. So, so let me start this up again. You can listen to Brian's and my final part of the conversation, and then I will wrap it up on the back side uh, to uh, give you some reminders about the website and the silent retreat support and all of that. So here we go. We can listen in again. I hope you enjoy it. The group aspect of it actually is has been a big deal to me. Um, unexpectedly, I'm an introvert. I want to be alone. I don't want to be bothered. I was like, silent retreat? Are you kidding me? Sign me up. Like, um, that sounds great. You mean I can ignore people and that's what I'm supposed to do? Um, and I don't get in trouble. I can just walk... I can just walk right by somebody and smile and like not have to engage in five minutes of made up small talk. Like I could, yeah. uh, so, but, but then the, the coming together and seeing what's happening in other people's experience of silence has been profoundly uh, interesting. I, I, I think I, I said, I said what I wanted to say before. It's funny. The silence surfaces things that you then need to actually voice outside of silence. So you need to articulate because in the articulation, what happened inside of you becomes real. Yep. Uh, it may or may not be psychologically accurate, but it seems that way. Like to yeah. say it is to, uh, is, is to let that, experience that you had have a voice uh, in the moment instead of trying to communicate off-site to people who have no idea what's going on and can't relate like are trying to but can't relate so to be there and sort of see like oh I felt that or I can relate to that or wow that's a totally different experience than the ones having you realize like it's a very very broad thing that happens out there 
very unique, very individual, but also there's a lot in common. And so that aspect of it yeah. um, was huge. Mm-hmm. And then some of my night walks actually are some of my most memorable, like after that, like after mm-hmm. the conversation, just to kind of go back out. It's a little freaky, you know, you're like, oh, is it gonna, <laughs> what's going to jump out? Um, mm-hmm. There's deer out there and you just, uh, and they're just, hanging out and for me it's like I can get to the end of a long day of silence feeling as if maybe I am not hearing anything but then go back out for a walk at night and after all of these things have been articulated it's like there is what I was looking for I'm hearing concisely very clearly what my heart needs to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, I, I think what you just described is the minute we verbalize something, we're now committed to it or, mm-hmm. or another way to put it is once we can verbalize something, we now own it. But as long as it stays kind of, um, you know, vapor in our head, um, continues to poison us. <laughs> um, but unless we get it out, and that, you know, it's, it's the premise of, uh, you know, ultimately community life too, right? It, it's mm-hmm. giving words to that, which we have a hard time giving words to. And like you said, I mean, I, it may not have been the prime topic of the day, but it was something I had to get said and, and then to have other people hear it. And, and, and as you experience people will come back the next day after hearing somebody say something and say, Oh yeah, I never thought about that in my life that I needed to pay attention to. Yeah. Which is really a remarkable thing. I think it's, it, it tends to, to, uh, have my, uh, goosebumps go off is, is just how palpable almost the Holy Spirit's moving in people feels during that time. So, yes, I mean, I, you, you got to see a lot of remarkable things that happened with the, with the groups that we had, particularly the last one that you got to sit in on. So, <clears throat> well, any, yeah, any, uh, any final thoughts or encouragement for people that are teetering on the balance of doing a silent retreat or thinking anything about this kind of stuff? I just wish that this practice which is an ancient practice um weren't so covered over in mystery or weren't you know wasn't wasn't so pigeonholed into some certain kind of section of the kingdom or whatever i i would i i wish this were a common thing because i think that it's a comprehensive experience like I, I think it's a healthy thing spiritually but I think it's a healthy thing mentally and uh, and probably a healthy thing physically yeah uh, as well but it, it, it's kind of a broad spectrum reset in a very very good way if you embrace it if you if you don't just go I'm so bored because I'm so addicted I mean, it just basically shows you your addictions. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, um, when you try to step away from them and you're jonesing for them and you're mm-hmm. lost without them. And um, 
all of the little things that you fall back on to navigate a day, the little comfort things that you do and the little uh, obligations that you have when you're just free of it and just free to be quiet. Um, it's remarkable what's actually getting said that uh, that's being said without words. And again, that goes back into weird, like, you know, how do you define, how do you explain that? But, you have to do like you have to do this and then it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I just wish that it weren't so mysterious because it's a practice that could be so profoundly helpful um, mm. on the Christian journey mm -hmm. um, to navigate any day. So, um, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. And I, I, you know, yeah. I, I hope I know that there's definitely sections of Christendom that embrace this very, very much, but you don't have to be a monk to do this. Um, nope. You just need to be alive to do this. And uh, it's a, it's incredible what, what healing silence can bring you. Yeah. I, I think I, and I think you've heard me say this is, is um, the, the detoxifying effects of, that mm. silence has, you know, the, we, we take out the head trash, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, uh, be able to, to, to get at, you know, what, what's lurking that we just don't pay much attention to or cover over. But, well, I, I uh, appreciate your time, Brian. I, it's, it's good to have a conversation anyway, even if it isn't recorded, <laughs> uh, just to keep myself grounded in some way or another. And, uh, to hope we hopefully we we can do it again and and uh, not have to do the the audio or, or the recording kind of gig. But I appreciate yeah. you participating very much. Thank you. I'm happy to. Yeah. Okay, well, that is the end of the interview with Brian, or conversation really, probably more so about silence and solitude. And, you know, I would underscore the one thing that um, he said there at the very end is, is just kind of the wish that this was more common. It wasn't, um, because, I, you know, a lot of times when, you, when, when we think of a retreat, we think of speakers and workbooks and, and quiet time and that kind of thing, but this kind of uh, normal fare of being silent and spending some solitude um, before God is, it, it seems a lot more foreign. Um, it, certainly in some uh, traditions, some um, evangelical kind of thinking uh, than you would normally get. Now, I will say that, that there's a there is an increased level of conversation happening even in the evangelical church around what spiritual formation looks like and around the nature of of what that how that looks or how people engage in it and that's that's really very encouraging at least from my point of view because of how much of a devoted um, and passionate um, advocate I am for that so all that being said let me wrap this up real quickly. Uh, that's the end of this this uh, time together. Uh, a couple things just to be, uh, in terms of a reminder, be sure to hit the website and subscribe. If you know somebody, um, 
take them hostage, do whatever is necessary to get them to subscribe uh, as we produce more material over this coming uh, year. Uh, the, it will focus eventually. We're going to get back to the losses that we suffer and the things that we're dealing with. And I, I suspect we're probably going to have plenty to talk about um, with the changing landscape of our culture and our society uh, uh, dealing with the pandemic and its continuing presence and the frustrations and all the other things that we tend to feel around uh, around that. So that that's forthcoming. Uh, if you want to catch new episodes by subscribing to the website, you'll be able to to uh, get notified of new episodes. Or you can go to raymitch.podbean.com and subscribe there. Uh, that will be you'll you'll be notified when a new podcast comes out. Uh, they also have an audio player that you can download on iOS or um, Google Play uh, and subscribe to the to the uh, thread, not the thread, uh, to the channel. I don't know if they even call them channels. Anyway, that's all there. And then also the other thing I would mention to you is I also have a, a channel on YouTube under my name, uh, Ray Mitch, and uh, and I will probably be releasing some more videos up there. There's a fair library of lectures, so uh, I'm not, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, they're, they're college lectures. I'm not going to overbuild them like there's some motivational, inspirational um, uh, thing. They're not. It's, it's a recording of a lecture that I have done the, on a number of different topics from shame and grace and grief and loss and, and other things that I have put up there for people to take a look at. So you're welcome to, to uh, look at that as well. There will no doubt be uh, further installments of stuff up there uh, to, uh, to, for people, uh, particularly in the shame and grace area, because I'm doing another class on it this fall and, and usually something new comes up inevitably as I'm teaching my way through it again. So please be sure to check our various presences out there um, with uh, in the social media world. I'm not heavily uh, involved in those. I have a, a intense lo uh, love underscore and then in capital letters hate uh, relationship with social media. So I don't do a lot. I probably should do more. I don't feel terribly guilty about the fact that I don't. Uh, but if if you want to look me up, you can. I certainly I have an author page on Facebook and all that jazz. So um, as you can tell, it's not terribly uh, important to me. So um, be sure to check those things out and let us know about that. The last thing I want to mention to you in light of this conversation about silence and solitude is that I continue to uh, look for, encourage, ask for partners um, in, in uh, raising money to send these students on the silent retreats. And, and uh, it's, no, uh, uh, it's not an uh, inexpensive undertaking. Um, at the same time, in terms of the larger picture of other retreats, I think it's pretty much of a bargain. And so I, I w would encourage you to go to my website and click on the CCU tab uh, or drop down menu, go down to silent retreats, and we have a GoFundMe page where uh, I am encouraging people to uh, partner with us uh, in doing these silent retreats. Obviously, universities 
and their budgets have gotten really, really hard hit uh, with the pandemic and all that went down last spring, and we are no different. And so the silent retreat is uh, limping along at best. Uh, we are in jeopardy of not being able to do one at all this fall. I don't know about the spring. It will depend on kind of uh, the disposition of funds. We have applied to um, uh, a foundation, uh, hopefully to get some, some funds to be able to uh, support our silent retreats. And in the meantime, uh, I am just simply asking people to prayerfully consider partnering with us to send CCU students to these retreats. So that's the last item. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I have uh, enjoyed spending the evening talking about silence and solitude. It's one of my favorite subjects. And with that, I will sign off as I always do. Love you. Later. Later.